sacrifice unto the Lord. Nice turtleneck, by the way. <laughs> Got to recognize the turtleneck. <laughs> Got to recognize that. <clears throat> All right. Let's see here. Uh, hope everyone's doing well this morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with all of you, and uh, hope everyone's year has been off to a, a decent start. It's been interesting, to say the least. Every time I think, like, you know, seasons, seasons come and go, right? You know, different seasons. Sometimes you feel like you're in the same season. Um, you know, we're almost at uh, February. What's the, uh, what's that, that Groundhog Day? Sometimes it just feels, life feels like a loop sometimes, right? But uh, no, I'm, I'm so blessed to, to be here this morning and to um, be able to share the word and just some thoughts that God's been uh, sharing with me. Um, one thing before I get into this, um, I don't know, how, has, uh, has anyone else, I've talked to a few people, has anyone been doing the Bible in one year at all, like still sticking with it? I know it's kind of like, it's, it's been taught, you know, like when you think of the the consistency it takes to, to do the Bible in one year. You know, you think just like do a little bit each day, but it's it's fun to do um, a, you know, I don't want to call it a program, but just like just a structure, you know, because people will give themselves reasons not to read the Bible. It's amazing how many excuses can, uh, man, they like, they just come out of nowhere. <laughs> or it feels like they do. But... It's amazing when you're getting into the word daily and what God will speak to you. And it's amazing how the things you'll read in the scriptures just don't line up with the things that you experience day to day. Isn't that amazing? You know, it's like, it's like whoa, am I supposed to be seeing things differently <laughs> than how I'm seeing them in my own life? It's, it's quite, it's astounding. But we've been, uh, you know, Pastor Dick has been talking about this idea of reset uh, and, you know, this year just being a chance to, to start over, you know, like, I, I mean, New Year comes around, right? Everyone wants to do their, their, their New Year's thing. We're going to say, like, I'm going to start eating healthy now. And it's like, what does that even mean, eating healthy? What does that even mean? Like, do we even, is there a definition for that? Like, is it, is it less of something? Is it more of something? Is it consistency? Like, what is it when we say we're going to start over? And starting over requires some kind of commitment. <laughs> it, it requires somewhat of a game plan. You know, you can't just willy-nilly be like, I'm just going to start over. I'm just going to do this new thing. Like, I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to eat the, you know, like, I mean, think of typical New Year's resolutions, right? But I wanted to expand upon uh, a thought I had coming into the new year. Uh, if some of, you, some of you may recall, I spoke... Um, around Christmas time about the idea of leaning into worship. And the reason for leaning into worship is to continue to develop and embrace the intimacy that is available to us in the Lord. Now, when I spoke about this, the context was how we deal with fear, how we deal with anxieties, you know, because we all have fears. If, if we're all honest, we'd all acknowledge that we struggle with anxieties to some degree, you know, whether great or small, right? And these fears and anxieties can be about 
uh, so many things, you know, with political unrest, with economic stresses, with, uh, you know, the craziness of the, the pandemic, right? All of these external threats do, they do exactly what they were intended to do. They threaten, you know, but what is it that they threaten? Uh, interested, just kind of thinking of work, work stuff for me. You know, how many of you know what multi-factor authentication is? <laughs> so if you don't recognize the term, uh, maybe you're familiar with it. If you've had, ever had to set up a smartphone uh, or any finances or uh, bank accounts online where it asks for your phone number and then you get a text message and it's like, we're going to send you a code. You know, you provide them something like this because you're, when you log in, it's in, it's in case your password ever gets compromised. In case someone ever figures out your password, right, you get hacked. I, I love it when I see people on Facebook like, don't open that message, I got hacked. It happens more often than I, th I think it should happen. Um, that's why I don't open any videos on Facebook Messenger. That's just, that's a, that's a freebie for you out there. Um, But some of you know that I, I work in the IT industry outside of my duties here within the church community, and uh, one of the major items we have to address on a daily basis is this idea of information security. Uh, there are so many threats to our customers' networks, uh, to data, that we have to be mindful of when we're making recommendations or putting things into place. We have to keep this idea of security in mind. And the reason for the security is because of the many threats that exist. There, there are threats to an internal infrastructure. And threats, they expose the, um, they expose the existing vulnerabilities within an infrastructure. Threats will expose uh, where people who put these systems in place, that maybe they've let their guard down, forgot, a few, forgot to put a few things in place. Uh, threats will expose the things that have been neglected. And you might gather by now that I'm not necessarily just talking about computers at this point. <laughs> um, like I said, Pastor Dick brought, a, brought this up in recent weeks, but uh, reading in Jeremy Riddle's new book, The Reset, which I know several people in the church have started reading. Um, but I've considered and have been considering the landscape of my own life in, in having read the book. And I think of things like, what, is, what does it look like? Like, what does my life look like? Um, what, do I, what do I want it to look like? Sorry. So what does my life look like? What do I want it to look like? How is my relationship with God right now? How do I want my relationship with God to look like? You know, when I start to get introspective and I start to just assess or even evaluate where, where I am in life, you know, it's like we really start to uh, take stock of the things that we, we hold to or, or even consider the things that have a hold on you. You know, what things are really important. I, 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 again, I said this uh, like a month ago here, but this, this past year truly has been a year of transition and it's, it's shaken us to the core. It really has. The, the, you know, we truly have been moved, if you think about it, somewhat literally. <laughs> you know, just the things aren't the same, right? 
our usual repetitious way of life has been altered and redirected. And maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Within this season, we have to trust that the sovereign hand of the Lord is at work again. Yeah, I said this before. God, God wasn't absent in 2020. You know, he's good news. He won't be absent in 2021. Um, he's actually very near. And so um, I want to get into some scriptures here. And in, in, uh, as I said that, let's pray and just consider what God wants to speak to us through his word beyond even my own ideas. So Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Lord, I just thank you so much for your presence here in this place, Lord, that, that we can be known as a place that, that your presence is welcome. Lord, I hear that so much, that the, the Lord knows he is welcome here, and Lord, I pray that that would continue to be so, that not only are you welcome in this place, you're welcome in our hearts, you're welcome in our minds, God, that, that what we do and what we say would be pleasing unto you that it truly would be worship that is acceptable and pleasing to you. And so I thank you, Father, for your word that will never fail and that will never fade away. Now we bless you today in your name, Jesus. Amen. So with that, I want us to consider this passage out of Hebrews. I'm reading out of this Hebrews 12, verse 28. It says this in the New Living Translation. It says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. That's interesting. I was just thinking of this, the idea of shaken, that was what kept kind of stirring in me. And I was thinking, okay, you know, we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. And if things have been shaken, then what does that mean? How does life line up with what the scriptures say? And so I looked through, I was kind of digging into some of the Greek words, just trying to tease out a bit more of what Paul's trying to say. And funny enough, I actually found the Dicacoin translation of this verse. It's amazing. With some homage there. This is what I get when I, when I read the different Greek, I was just like, well, I'm not going to look at one word. I'm just going to do the whole thing. So this is what I got out of really looking into the meaning of each word from this verse. It says, Consequently, let us associate with the unshaken, immovable rule and reign of God, and let us possess this gratitude through which we worship, serve, and minister to God in a well-pleasing way that is acceptable to him with fear and reverence. You see, the kingdom, the rule and reign of God that we get to participate in, that we get to partner in with God is unshakable, meaning our, and, and our posture is to be thankful. Our posture, or rather our activity, is to please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. So the question is, what is being shaken at this time? Are we being shaken? What in our lives has been shaken? Because there are things that will shake, <laughs> especially when they aren't of the Lord. I speak about the things that, begin, that can be shaken <laughs> because when things are shaken, things get exposed, just like the threats 
I was talking about earlier, the threats that expose. They, they're not doing anything in and of themselves. They're just, they're just finding the things that, that have been neglected or the things that shouldn't be there. <laughs> and I don't think things get exposed. I think we get exposed. Just like Adam in the beginning. In the garden, everything was good. And then they let sin in. And he knew he was naked. God knew. He knew. It was all in the open. Everything laid bare. No way to hide it. See, this is where I was, uh, <laughs> I got drawn into reading this book by Jeremy Riddle. Like, you know, he speaks very candidly about um, this idea of pursuing the Lord. Pursuing the Lord with more zeal and with more eagerness and just, just going after the Lord. Not, you know, seeing how broken we are and realizing our full need for him. And he speaks very candidly about becoming wholehearted. And I think this is something I really want to, this is what I'm going to continue my time here with. But this just, to me, stuck out like a sore thumb. I just, I knew it was speaking to me, but I also knew it was speaking to us as a church. So, you know, hear me out. The, um, I'll just start at the, the Webster's definition of wholehearted. We'll start there. To be wholehearted means to be completely and sincerely devoted, determined, or enthusiastic. I'd say passionate. Marked by complete earnest commitment, free from all reservation or hesitation. Nothing holding you back. Wow. Wholehearted. You, you know what that is that we say that here? That's all in language. <laughs> Matthew 22, verse 37, uh, you know, Jesus, God wants us to love him with, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. You know, we, we sing these songs like we sang today, Lord, there's nothing better than you. We're not saying, Lord, there are some things. <laughs> you know, we're not saying, I surrender some. You know, we don't give just a little bit to the Lord. We say, Lord, there is nothing better than you. You are worthy of all praise. And so we give our all to him. And this idea of being wholehearted, it's so woven into the scriptures, talking about what it means to give our lives, to give our hearts, to, to surrender our minds to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I think of, you know, what keeps us from becoming wholehearted and fully devoted to God. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. This idea of the heart, it's so important. It's saying guard your heart, the thing that you fully need to give to the Lord, because there are threats. There are threats. And notice it says, guard your heart, because... Why? It determines the course of your life. If you're wondering how you got to where you got, consider the ways of your heart. Consider the choices and the wants and the desires that you've just let loose. 
Where have they been going? What have they been put into? Where has your heart been given to and devoted to? James 4, verse 8, it says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Okay, seems pretty simple right there, right? That's, uh, that's like 2 plus 2 equals 4, yeah? All right. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You know, Jesus said crazy things like, you can't serve both God and money. You will love one and you will hate the other. Jesus, speaking of the the things of God and the works of evil, he said, if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. That is a principle that literally goes deep to any foundation. I mean, he's talking about it in the context of the Holy Spirit and working, and they were accusing him of demonic powers. <laughs> but the principle still, sti- you know, it's still, it's, you know, it still cooks. It's like you can say that about pretty much anything. You can say that about marriage. You can say that about relationships, right? A house divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. It's the, it's the problem of division and, and, and loyalty. This idea of what have I given myself unto? Uh, James 1, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, it reads this way. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But, here we go, we've got, got something to think about here. When you ask him, be sure that your faith is in What? God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are, what? Unstable in everything they do. So I looked up the Greek for this as well. I've never seen this doing a a sermon prep or a study. Never seen this. You're going to love this. You ready? The word translated unstable. I've never seen this. This is awesome. Akastatos. Akastatos. Oh, there's a little extra in there. My uh, limited Greek, uh, you know, linguistics. But meaning unsettled, unstable. I thought, well, that's pretty profound. But then they had a little parentheses thing going on. It said, though these are hardly strong enough equivalents. I thought that was amazing. It's like, that's all we got, and it's not even correct. It's, it, it doesn't have a strong enough meaning for what the word actually means in the English language. <laughs> Think of that. Loyalty being divided between God and the world, and they are unstable. That doesn't even count. That, that's not even the right word in everything they do. 
this idea of loyalty to the Lord, it's like it is so big. It is ridiculously important in the Christian life that we get this right. Because as we do this, as we walk this Christian life, as we follow Jesus, our hearts are going to be propelled towards something. It's just like Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I always had a tough time reading that because I was like, oh, yeah, of course. But like then like someone buys a lottery ticket and you're like, oh, I get it. Because then as soon as they put some money in it, they're like glued to the TV to see if they win. And I was like, oh, that's what he meant. Like literally you put, oh, like you're going to follow money. Wherever you invest, whatever, I mean, I've seen it, I have friends who do day trading with stocks and stuff, and right now, maybe not a good idea. I'll tell you what, though, their life is, like, consumed. You get into that? It's like, it's like, it's all, I got to watch my stocks, I got to see what's going on, I got to see, like, if it's a, you know, what kind of a market is it? And it's like, everything becomes about that, because the, the heart is following where the treasure got put. Unstable isn't even strong enough of a word. <laughs> Whenever I've read this scripture, I always thought that, you know, this put into question our faith. You know, or if we had enough faith when we asked God and we came to him and, and asked because he's so generous, right? I mean, that's what the scripture says. It doesn't say God's a miser. It says he's very generous. But what I realized in digging into this in my own heart where you know, I hadn't given him everything. It wasn't that I didn't have faith or that I didn't have enough faith. I think some people stumble over that, right, in the Christian world about like, you know, oh, do I not have enough faith? Did I not have enough faith for this? Did I not have faith for that, right? Has anyone ever asked that? Please tell me. The issue is that faith wasn't in God alone. In God alone. Because our hearts are divided. Loyalty. We have loyalty to things. That I would always uh, lean on other things, you know, that, that would break my fall. You know, you've prayed for something, I've prayed for something that, you know, like, well, if God doesn't heal me, I know the doctors will. Well, if God doesn't provide for me, I know I can do this thing on the side. I got plan B. And I've done this so much. And this isn't like, this isn't a condemnation on anyone's belief structure or anything. All I'm saying is that I realized in my own life how I had allowed the influence of a plan B to infiltrate my heart. I was being exposed. I was exposed. There was, there was a being laid bare before the Lord, understanding, God, I, like, I still was considering the thing that I could lean back on if you didn't come through. And I realized it's not okay. That's never okay. If you're going to wholeheartedly pursue the Lord with earnest commitment and, and reverence and worship Him in awe, and looking introspectively, I realized that there were so many places in my heart I had not fully surrendered the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, we've said this so often here at this church. You know, like, 
You know, Jesus is my Savior. He died for my sins. But is he my Lord? You know, we are simply afraid to fully die to our old self. And I real quick just want to read this snippet from, um, from this book. And uh, it's interesting because... Just thinking of this idea of, you know, dying to self. You know, there's always something that remains in us that's hanging on for dear life. <laughs> you ever notice that? It's like, well, it just won't go away. <laughs> like we're going to lose something if we let go of it. And guess what? It's true. <laughs> you know, Jesus saying, if, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Jesus has crazy things. This is some crazy things. This is what uh, Jeremy Riddle wrote in uh, just a, a quick snippet of his book, The Reset. Uh, he, he talks about in the late 80s, the movie The Princess Bride was released, quickly became a classic. Anyone seen Princess Bride? Funny movie, funny movie. But in the movie, the hero is tortured and dies. His friends take him to the local witch doctor, and instead of being pronounced dead, he is pronounced mostly dead. <laughs> I love that. This always brought about a few laughs, but I find this mostly dead condition to be quite common amongst Christians. Many walk around in an almost zombie-like state of partial surrender, living half-hearted in everything they do. Not only is this tragic, it is quite costly to the advancement of the kingdom. Why? Because we need resurrection power and life. But here's the catch. Resurrection only happens to dead people. The living don't need a resurrection. The dead do, though. And I think even in my own life, I'm wondering, what things have I not let die? Where I need, a res I need resurrection. I want to experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. But I just have not been willing to let everything die. And then I wonder, why am I not experiencing that power in my life? Because there could be divided loyalty. There could be things I'm still just giving my heart to that Jesus is like, that, that's not going to fulfill you. That will never satisfy you in the end. See, there are plenty of things in this life that will try and, and maintain dominance in our hearts. There's always a fight. There's always a pull. There's always a tug. You know, what we as Christians have to do is reset our affection and our devotion to be set on the lordship of Jesus Christ. We have to get used to saying yes to Jesus. <laughs> Novel idea, Christians. <laughs> saying yes to God. <laughs> but I think, church, now is the time. We... We need to cast down idols. We need to tear down the high places in our hearts. The things that have taken up residency in our lives that take the place of Jesus on the throne. Because there are so many things we feel like, oh, if I, if I didn't have this in my life, if I lost this if, this, if this thing, if this person were to not be in my life, my life would be over. And the truth is, no, it would not. If you're, if you're looking to the Lord, just real quick, I, I think of, um, yeah, I think of my mom, 
I mean, many of you know my mom. I bring her up often in my messages because I just think she's amazing. And she drives me crazy at the same time. Family dynamics, you know. But I'll tell you this. When my brother died in a car accident back in 2000, I was 17 at the time. And I kind of went through this, like, I just kind of blacked out. I mean, have you ever had that in life where you're just kind of like, I, I'm just checking out. You know, it was my senior year in high school. And the, oh, jeez. And the picture of my mom going around at the funeral, praying for others who needed comfort. It just wrecked me. Because I was like, this is a person who, even though I didn't know Jesus at the time, I really didn't. I hadn't given my life to the Lord at all at that point in my life. But I could look back on that in hindsight and say, there's a woman who doesn't question who her Lord is. Because she didn't say her life was over when my brother died, abruptly. It wasn't even like a great, you couldn't even, when someone dies abruptly, you don't get the chance to think about it. It just happens to you. And here was a woman of faith. Who knew she had a generous God and said, Lord, even if you, even if, <laughs> even if in this season my son is gone, you are still good, and I still put my faith in you alone. Life was not over. <laughs> my brother's life was over. It's super late. It's just, it's still even crazy to think about this day. But because she wasn't worried about what she would lose or gain, it wasn't about that. It was all about putting your faith in Christ and trusting that he would fill in the gaps. You know, undivided. That's, that's how I look at my mom. Like, undivided. Like, I never have to be like, you know, is she going to be like a Christian today? Or to, like, it's like, there's not even a question. <laughs> I think many of you who have met my mom, you're like, yeah, like, that's Linda. We need to be able to fully pursue the Lord. Anything that would keep us, anything that would hinder us from moving forward, we need to leave it behind. Church, we need to leave it behind. If we're going to lean into worship and really give God the glory and worship him in our lives, we need to consider the things that we've been giving ourselves to. Or I said, you know, I joked at the beginning about scripture reading. It's like we can give ourselves all kinds of excuses to not be in the scriptures or not spend time in worship or, you know, just be praying. These things are so vital to our life if we really want to be more intimate with the Lord on a day-to-day basis. You know, are we able to say we worship God in full surrender? And can we say yes to him in all that we do? That's the Christian life, folks. (laughs) Getting used to saying yes to God. (laughs) No matter what he says to do. And when we consider the fears and the anxieties we've been working through, let us consider, is Jesus not fully Lord of my heart? Just consider it. Consider it. So let's pray. Can you, can you guys stand with me? This idea of being fully devoted to the Lord, being wholehearted, not being divided, that the heart, the, the threats, the the exposing that can happen 
you know, when things like this economic crisis or who's president or who's not president, we get all, like, just flustered. It, it's like exposure time. You know, because what are we rooted in? Where are our roots? What are we grounded in? What do we put our full affection on for our, for trust, for hope? Trusting that God loves us, that no matter what's going on in a situation, that he's like, he's there, he's present, he's got our back. So, Father, I do bless you in this place today. God, I thank you so much for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for the conviction of this word, even as preparing for this and the things that you've been speaking to me, but, Lord, the things I believe you're speaking to our church is to be wholehearted in our pursuit of you. To not let the things of this world drag us away from the purposes that you have for us, the eternal kingdom purposes that you truly have for us, the promises. That's the word I hear also is just the promises you have for us, that we need to remember what the promises are, not just the, the scriptural promises, but also personal promises, the things that you're speaking to us even now or, or that you've spoken to us before, but we've thought, you know, that time is long gone or that, you know, that these things have happened and there's no way this could turn around. Lord, would you breathe afresh those promises? Lord, the things that you've spoken over individuals in this place, I just pray resurrection life right now in Jesus' name. And anything we need to die to today, Holy Spirit, I don't have a counseling session on what that is, but I am trusting that you are the one revealing to us, even in our hearts now, the things that hold us back from being fully devoted to you. I'm trusting, Holy Spirit, you are doing that right now, even for people who are watching, who are tuning in, that they're just, things are coming to mind. But what I just need to let go of and let God fully in that the light would shine fully in our hearts. I thank you for that, Lord. I just pray more of you, Holy Spirit, right now, that as we consider these things, and most importantly, as we consider you, that you would be so glorious. You would be so, just, you would be the forefront of our thinking and why we do what we do. Let us be a worshiping community that, that reveres you, that loves you, that is unshaken, and that is stable because we consider you in all our ways. And I bless you, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys have anything you need for prayer, thank you guys. Um, I think we can get a few people up here. If there's something that the Lord has put on your heart of something you need to just let go of today and you want to pray that through, you can come on up. For those online, if um, there's anything you want prayer for, just, just say, I need prayer. And uh, we'll reach out to you, whether right now or in a little bit, and um, see what we can do. So God bless you all, and uh, have an awesome day. Thanks.